With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're now listening to the Destination Debbie Podcast. I present your host, Ray Garvin, the creator of Destination Debbie, and your go-to source for all things Debbie and college football. Welcome back for episode 25 of the Destination Debbie Podcast. I am the captain of this here Debbie Dynasty Vessel, and you know where to find me on Twitter, at RayGQ, that's Q-U-E, and make sure you're following the show at Destination Debbie as well. The DDP is a proud member of the DLF family of podcasts. You can listen to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, anywhere you can play podcasts at, the DDP is there. You can also check the show out on DynastyLeagueFootball.com. I've got written content over there, so you know, go over there, check that out. There are a ton of other great Dynasty-related podcasts. Whatever your flavor is, DLF has you covered. So head on over to the website now to check it out. But without further ado, I am, I mean, you can't see my facial expressions right now, but I am giddy with excitement to talk to this guy tonight, somebody who has been uh, not only a mentor and friend to me in this Dynasty journey of talking about fantasy football on Twitter and writing on websites, but somebody that I definitely look up to. He knows his stuff. He's a former athlete as well. I mean, I can't even, I can't name all, I can't say all the superlatives to kind of explain who this is, but I do have a request to to name him or to introduce him by his proper nickname. So it's Garrett America's Sweetheart Price. So Garrett, Welcome to the DDP as my co-pilot tonight, man. Happy to have you on the show. <laughs> How's it going, buddy? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you know who told me to call you uh, America's Sweetheart, right? I- I'm, I'm guessing Mike dropped drop that for you. Yeah, there's somebody that you might co-host the show with, uh, Rewind, something like that. He, yeah, he told yeah. me to make sure <laughs> that I introduced you with by your proper title. So there it is, Price. How you doing this evening? Man, I'm doing good. I'm I'm so excited to uh, to be able to hop on here with you. I remember, you know, we're we're both fairly new in this in this whole uh, dynasty Devi uh, world. But I even remember, you know, six, seven, eight months back when we first first started connecting, first started cutting it up and talking. And I was like, "Yo, this dude actually like knows some of these deep prospects too. Like this is 
this is a guy I can I can rock with. And so uh, once we started talking, I knew I knew things were going to be good. So it's it's fun to be able to to get on here and actually uh, talk through some of these guys and uh, get to chop it up a little bit. Man, that's what I'm talking about, man. And you know, a, a lot of people. We're just gonna jump into it because a lot of people are excited about this 2020 class overall. You know what I'm saying? From you know, two at quarterback, and you've got the Joe Burrows of the world, and Jerry Judy, and so many debates about wide receivers. But tonight, this is the ground and pound show. We're talk. We're excluding everything else. We ain't talking tight ends or quarterbacks, wide receivers. We're talking running backs in this 2020 yeah. class. Everyone's saying it's loaded, right? And I know that's sort of like the you know the taboo thing to say now. But just overall opinions of this running back class, Price. Just how good is it right now? Man, that that's the thing. It's it's scary because you don't you don't want to put yourself out there so far and 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 where you get yourself on an island and then all of a sudden everything blows up in your face. But but honestly, looking at the individual talents, looking at the potential for uh, superstars in the fantasy football world, looking at the depth, like everything you could want for and look for in a running back class, it looks like at this point, when we're recording mid-October of, of 2019, it looks like this class is going to have it. Now, we don't know who's going to choose not to declare. We could always have some horrific injuries or things like that. But as it stands right now, I mean, it really does seem that exciting for this 2020 running back class. Yeah, man, I completely agree with you. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where I've said it before, and our job as fantasy football analysts, podcasters, writers, we've got to talk about every single class. And I think that in 2019, we were really sort of, I don't want to, and I don't want to dismiss this 2019 class because I've, I've listened to you talk about it on the Dynasty Nerds podcast. It is a good class. I think the wide receiver class is a lot better than expected. But when we're just yeah. talking about the running backs in general, I'm looking at Miles Sanders and I'm looking at Josh Jacobs and, and David Montgomery and Darrell Henderson. There's, in my opinion, Darrell Henderson, there's no way he would be a first round pick in dynasty rookie drafts if he were in the 20, if he were 2020 eligible. If he were coming oh, out in no. 2020, we wouldn't even be talking about somebody like that. You know, maybe Josh Jacobs, I don't know how you feel about Montgomery or Sanders, but just in comparison to 2019. And then when you look back, 2018 was pretty doggone good with, you know, Carrion Johnson and Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley. And I still got my fingers crossed for Darius Geis. I know you're a Geis, a Geis guy as well. Yeah. Um, and then I really don't want to talk about 2017 because uh, that class was uh, historically great. And um, sure. I'll just run through that real quick. So Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Kamara, Kareem Hunt, James Conner, Tariq Cohen, Wayne Gallman, Marlon Mack, Aaron Jones, Chris Carson. Those were the guys who were drafted. And then the undrafted guys, Matt Breida, Austin Eckler, Corey Clement. So when you're looking at 2020, in your opinion, right now, mid-October, how does it compare to 2017, 2018, or 2019? I know that's a lot for you, so just take it wherever you want to go. Sure, yeah, there's there's a lot to, to go through when you're looking at these classes because the hard part is, we're able to see back and we're able to see the landing spot. We're able to see uh, kind of how everything played out. So I, I have to somewhat take myself back to 
before these guys were drafted, before just looking at the raw prospect uh, as they were. Uh, first of all, this is light years ahead of last year's class, of the 19 class. I, I believe that if, and, and I actually tweeted it out probably about a, a month or so ago, um, right now I would easily have three running backs ahead of the top running back, which was Josh Jacobs for me. I'd easily have three running backs ahead of him. Then Josh Jacobs would be in the same tier as guys like uh, Chuba Hubbard, uh, Vaughn, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins. Like He would be in that tier for me. And then Sanders and Montgomery would be in the next tier. So, I mean, we're looking at of if we were to put these two classes together, Josh Jacobs would probably be the only one in the top seven or so. Uh, so, I mean, I think that that's a good look at how much better we expect this class to be if all of these guys come out. We expect it to be, or at least I expect it to be, significantly better uh, than we had in, in, in last year's class. Uh, and it's no disrespect to Sanders. It's no disrespect to Montgomery. Uh, there are positive things about their game. Uh, but I, I just think that the raw talent, the raw ability – um, before we figure out how they do at the combine, before we figure out where they get drafted, all of that kind of stuff, just based on the prospect, on the film, on what we're seeing, that's kind of what we're looking at there. So now the two classes before that, I think, are much better comparisons for this 2020 class. 2018 uh, was a very good class, and I think maybe even a little bit better than people originally expected it to be. We all knew that Saquon Barkley was this transcendent talent. We knew that he was going to be that guy. I mean, even in even in uh, redraft leagues that year, he was still being taken as the fifth, sixth, seventh running back uh, before before even saw this dude take a snap. So everyone kind of had a had a good glimpse into that right away. But then you had guys like you know Chubb. I think ended up being a much better pro than a lot of people expected he would be. Um, then you had other guys that were, were drafted somewhat highly that disappointed. You had uh, uh, Ronald Jones. You had, so far, uh, Penny has been a disappointment. So you had, had a few guys in there. But then you have the, the Darius Geises of the world that, you know, we're still kind of hoping that he gets healthy to see. on Johnson's been somewhat of a mixed bag. But, you know, we've liked some of the things we've seen. So it's a really, really interesting class. Sony, Sony's been puzzling because I liked a lot of what I saw last year, and I thought that he would get – fed a bunch this year and he has but it just hasn't really met much you know what i mean so that's been kind of weird but taking it back before that i think this class uh with the exception of i don't think that there's quite the saquon barkley talent i mean we we weren't talking about anybody like saquon up until maybe we were talking about adrian peterson was the last one that we kind of talked about with that kind of hype. I don't know. Can you remember anybody in between there that we talked about with the Saquon Barkley level hype? No. It, Saqu- I mean, like you just said, there were people drafting Saquon Barkley, you know, in, in startup drafts, top five before he <laughs> before he took a snap. So I, I can't right. see. I'm, I'm really – I'm trying to think back, and I just – Yeah. No. So I, I just don't know that there's anybody that's quite at that excitement level um this class but i i love comparing it to the 17 class because i think as transcendent and as incredible of a class as it was i actually think it's probably the best comparison because here's my reasoning behind it first of all 
there wasn't really a true consensus 101. I think most people went with Leonard Fournette, but there were a ton of McCaffrey, McCaffrey truthers. And you even had a lot of people that said, if it wasn't for the off the field stuff, Joe Mixon might be the best running back in this class. Right. Um, so, you know, I think that's more closely what we're looking at with this class where we have, you know, Swift, we have Jonathan Taylor, we have ETN, we have Chuba, we have, I mean, we have all of these uber, uber talented guys uh, and that we all think could be very good running backs at the next level. And it's really, I think it's going to be very difficult to choose at the 101. And, and, and especially, I know we said we wouldn't talk about receivers, but it's a really good receiver class as well. So if you have, you know, the 104 or the 105 pick in your draft this coming year, I'm not sure value-wise it's going to be that much different than the 101. That's how strong it is at the top of this class. And so I think it compares really well to that 17 class. Yeah, agree with everything that you said. And looking at that, and, and I think a, a point that you made that was is really important for people to understand is it's easy to look back on 2017 now and say, look how great that class was. Aaron Jones was there. Marlon Mack was drafted later on. And, you know, Matt Burita was undrafted. And Austin Eckler were undrafted. But at the time, as prospects when they were coming out, we weren't talking about, you know, some of those guys like we are. We weren't talking about Aaron Jones coming out of UTEP. I don't, I don't recall very many people at all talking about right. him. You know, James Conner was a good story because of everything, the adversity and trials and tribulations that he had to go through at Pitt. But I remember people thinking there's no way he can be a lead back in the NFL. Um, you know, Christian McCaffrey even had question marks surrounding him. And sure. he has proven me, I'm not going to say wrong, because I did not think he was going to be a bad back whatsoever, but there's no way I thought he'd be able to handle 25-plus touches a game. and Right, um, between the tackles. Exactly, and be the – what, the best running back or, you know, some people still have Saquon there, whether it's one or two. I, if you told me Christian McCaffrey is going to be better than Ezekiel Elliott as a running back, I, I would have laughed in your face. So right. I think it's easy now to to look back at 2017 and say, oh, my gosh, how good it is. But I do think as prospects coming out, if you just take the top three, top four guys in 2020, I think it compares a little bit better than – 2017 now does it have the depth of 2017 i guess in three years we can come back and yeah we'll wait and see right but right now I, I i do believe it's the best comparison i do think it's i don't think comparing it to 2019 there's even any point in doing that because it's much better than the 2019 class i think 2018 like you said nick chubb i i i'll be honest with you price i drafted ronald jones ahead of nick chubb in a in a starter in a rookie draft in 2018 because I just I, I don't blame you I didn't think Nick Chubb and for all the Ronald Jones hate that was out there and a lot of people said don't draft him I just I didn't see, foresee Nick Chubb becoming what he is and I think he's still one of the more underappreciated backs in the NFL you know for sure. I know you're a, a Cleveland fan but every time I hear people talking about Kareem Hunt taking work away from him yeah I think he'll get his touches but why would they not give Nick Chubb the ball? I just, yeah, I, I, I just don't foresee that happening. And carry on Johnson, curious case there. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I don't think he's, I don't think he's a bad back whatsoever, but is he an elite guy? I don't know. Sony Michelle, like you said, another, I thought if, if, if I were going to make a bet at the beginning of the season, I said, Sony leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns. 
obviously that's not going to happen with Tom Brady taking over that <laughs> yeah. goal line. But I agree with you. It's The 2020 class is best comparable right now for me uh, to 2017. And, again, time will tell. But sort of segueing into that, Bryce, I want you to give me um, – your top three, and I think for both of us, or even if it's a player or two different, we'll all know sort of the things that these three these guys do well. So give me, from your top three, what's the most concerning thing for these prospects entering to the NFL that, that dynasty owners need to pay attention to whenever they're ready to press that, that draft button? Yeah, so the top three has pretty much stayed exactly the same for me um, since you know I really started digging into this class Basically, since the last draft happened, uh, I started digging into these guys. And so the top three stay the same. However, the order has shifted slightly. Um, so right now, I do have DeAndre Swift as my 101. Um, and granted, all three of these guys, I think, are very talented, all in a great tier. Uh, DeAndre Swift is a stud. Like you said, we could go on and on about all the things he does well. If there was one concern for me, and granted, this is being this is being a little nitpicky because he's he's so good. Um, sometimes that, um, big play, uh, sometimes I, I feel like he doesn't have quite the explosiveness as other players have in this class, doesn't finish off plays, uh, for that long touchdown run or, uh, break that one last tackle, you know, to, to take that screen to the house or, um, he's incredible between the tackles, incredible hands. And so I feel bad even saying anything negative about the guy, but if there was one thing, if I had to be super nitpicky, maybe that big, long, explosive play isn't going to be there quite as frequently as some of the other guys. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. And uh, I'm just glad we got uh, DeAndre Swift up there at number one for you. I know. I'm happy about that. Uh, It took me forever. (laughs) So who do you have? uh, Who do you have at two? And and once again, I I don't, I don't want to do it. uh, But, (laughs) but my, but my boy's down at three now, so we'll get to two first. Uh, I do have Jonathan Taylor at two right now. Uh, he has just been he, – he's taken things to another level this year. He's looked incredible. I've heard you make the comp before, but, you know, we just got done talking about Nick Chubb, and their games do look eerily similar at times. Love a lot of what I've seen from him. Uh, it almost seems like – and correct me if I'm wrong, he seems faster this year than he did last year. Yes. I have – I have yet to see someone drag him down from behind or catch up to him. Last year, I was seeing that. I was seeing at times on some of those long runs, the gap closing quite a bit or guys even catching up at times. I'm not seeing that gap close this year. So I was kind of laughing when people talked about, you know, this amazing 40 time. I was laughing in the offseason. I'm starting to believe it a little bit more now. So uh, it's weird. I, you know, I'm still not sure that I'm at the four, three that people are, you know, supposedly saying, but if you were to, come in and run a 4-4-2, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that makes yeah. perfect sense. Um, so if I'm, once again, if, if I'm going to be a little bit nitpicky, um, there, there's a couple of things that do concern me. One, he he has had an incredibly large workload at the college level. I don't see that being any real hindrance for most of his career. You might lose a little bit at the end of his career for that, but I'm not going to hold that too much against him. I think I think he'll be just fine in that in that manner. Um, and he hasn't been utilized as much in the passing game in the past. I do think that they've made a concerted effort to try to get him the ball in the passing game more this year, and I do think that's helped his stock a little bit. I do I don't necessarily anticipate him always being on the field for all three downs, but similar to Nick Chubb, 
I don't think they would feel NFL teams would feel uncomfortable leaving on the, him on the field for uh, for all three downs. But I do think that that would be those would be the two things that would be maybe somewhat question marks. But even that is is you know yeah. it's really not that big of a deal. Man, you so the other day I was looking at some of his freshman tape because I was going to post a couple of just highlight runs from his freshman year and just talk about man he was he's been doing this as a freshman. And I stopped myself because he just didn't look fast. He didn't look nearly as explosive as he does now. And I was like, I, I don't even want to post this because this, he's clearly gotten much faster than his freshman really season. Has. And, I mean, he rushed for 2,000 yards as a freshman. So I, I don't uh, – it's, it's not a knock on him, but I'm with you. He looks faster. He looks more agile. It, he looks like and, – and you like to see it. He looks like somebody who – in the offseason said, I'm going to become a better player. I'm going to get faster. Yeah. I'm going to work on things that were a weakness for me, and I'm going to come into 2019 and completely dominate everybody that, that I face. And he's done it. And as I was driving home from work today, I was trying to hype myself up to make the case for him being uh, the number one ranked Debbie running back, and I just couldn't do it. I'm with you. I still have DeAndre Swift there, but <laughs> – it wouldn't surprise me if Jonathan Taylor was the first running back drafted. And no, not at all. You know, depending on where he lands, I don't have this. That's why we do tiers, right? I know you do yep. it as well. I'm not going to just be locked into DeAndre Swift regardless of where he goes. If Jonathan Taylor and I saw you talking, I saw somebody ask a question about uh, Keyshawn Vaughn and the Kansas City Chiefs, or maybe you were talking about it. If if Jonathan Taylor landed in a situation like that, I don't care if he was the third running back taken. He's probably going to be my one-on-one yeah, if I have that. So, probably. Um, I'm with you. I think that his workload, while I don't really like – and I know you've talked about this as well on your show, I'm looking at first contract for a running back. You know, first yep. round, you're talking five years. If you told me I can get Jonathan Taylor as an RB1 for five years and then years six through nine, six through ten of his NFL career, I've got a mid to low RB2 on my hands, I'm fine with that. It, Absolutely. It doesn't bother me whatsoever. So, and nobody has this data, but I'd be interested to see of those carries that he's taken, how many just big shots has he taken? You know, I don't really recall yeah. him being injured. I haven't seen him get rocked a whole bunch. <laughs> so No, it's true. Know. He he does a good job for being such a physical back, and this is something I really have liked on the tape that I've watched. For being such a physical back, he actually doesn't take – as much punishment as you would think he does a great job at angling his body in such a way that he's taking more glancing blows off the shoulder pads as opposed to head-on collisions which i do think will add to some longevity in his career agreed a hundred percent man so number three i know who you got and you know price i've been trying to tell you you need to listen i like this guy i'm not going to steal your thunder here everybody knows who's number three for you but tell me tell me tell me who it is and tell me what concerns you about this player after you tell me why he's so good. Yeah, so number three, formally number one. Uh, so this is this this hurts my heart uh, for him to be all the way down at three. Uh, it's Travis Etienne. Uh, here's here's the thing. the The difficult part for me is he's done nothing wrong, and I think that's the hard part. That uh, me evaluating him. Looking at his game, he has done absolutely nothing wrong. And in fact, he's actually improved on the one area that would absolutely be the biggest concern far and away is his pass catching. 
and he's actually been much better in that regard. They've utilized him more, hasn't really had many drop passes at all, done stuff with the ball after the fact. It looks a little more natural. You can tell he really worked on it in the offseason. I'm really not super concerned with it now. The problem is I don't think he has done enough to elevate himself like the other guys have so far. And I think that's why he's at three. So it's not it's not a, a punishment to ETN or anything like that. Uh, I just think the other guys have really shown out, and he's done what we wanted him to, but he hasn't necessarily done more. But I did. I, I had to go back today even because I knew we were going to come on here. I knew this was going to be a topic of conversation. I even watched his most recent game against Florida State. And while there were a couple runs that were a little bit disappointing, what made me fall in love with him is absolutely still there where he will find a seam, he'll be decisive, take that seam, and then be able to bounce off tacklers, break tackles. Even at time, you can tell he's being hit, and he's able to still keep his feet underneath him, incredible contact balance, and then accelerate. And I think that's the part that I love is I don't know that I've seen too many players do this as well as he does, be able to absorb contact and then get back to full speed in an instant and he does that that acceleration off of contact is really really special and so yes he is three for me but once again once we look at the landing spots once we look at how all of this breaks down and shakes out he could still find a way to come up to one do I think that will happen? No. And I do think the NFL will probably value some of these other guys a little bit higher than him, which will also you know, impact some of the rankings and whatnot. But I, I still absolutely love Travis Etienne. If you can get him, because I know people have him down as far as you know, running back like five, six, seven now. If you yeah, can get him crazy. in that range, I'm buying. That's so, crazy. That's, and yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. So I love Chuba Hubbard. You know that. Everybody yep. on Twitter who follows That's been your boy. That's been my boy, and I, you know, have been very vocal about how fast he is, how how good he is in the open field, his size. Travis Etienne is has the most explosion in this class. I just I, I can't deny it. His acceleration, like you said, when he finds a hole and puts his foot in the ground, it's I don't want to because I'm not on the field tackling him. Thank God, it's scary, man. I mean, he can get up and move in a hurry. I don't think Chuba has that level of explosion. I think when Chuba gets in the open field, it's lights out, right? He's got that track speed. He's long gone. But when you're just – man, every time Travis Etienne gets the ball, I'm thinking, holy crap, he's about to he's about to go for an 80-yard touchdown. I mean, he is that explosive. And I can't deny it, man. It's He's got scary explosion. And I'm with you, man. Etienne, he is – he's a stud, man. I know that he's listed at five foot ten. What is he? Two hundred pounds, two hundred and five pounds. It's the same size as Eno Benjamin. Same size, but he just—he doesn't look like a big running back to me. He no, look, he does have a slighter frame. You're right. But in our, we've got a, a tape talk league where we just kind of uh, Price and a whole bunch of other guys who just like film analysis and college football. We've got a, a a group on Twitter and somebody. I don't know if it were if it were if it was Kyle Yates. I don't know if yeah, I think it was Kyle who made the Matt Breida comp. Yeah, I think it was Kyle. That you know, I know a lot of people. Matt Breida. Here's the thing with comps, and I don't like doing it, but don't we always comp to like ceiling level players? I know I've done it with Etn and said, you know, Chris Johnson, but that's 
I mean, that's ceiling. Le- that's an all-pro running back we're comping to. I think Matt Breed is a fine comparison, sort of their play style. Um, they've got that speed, sort of that slider frame, really explosive. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying that's my Travis Etienne comp, but, you know, I, I do think – I don't think it's crazy far off. Yeah, I think his explosion is the best in this class. He is uh, very dynamic when he puts his foot in the ground. Uh, and in talking about Jonathan Taylor, just one – the only – my knock, besides the, the sheer amount of carries that he's had, is as great as he's looked this year, I don't know if it's like this new running back style to kind of like dance around and hop around behind the line before you pick your spot. He doesn't, <laughs> do, it to, he doesn't do it to David Montgomery levels. But I did sure. – I was watching some stuff, and he just kind of like bounces around back there. And, I, you know, I'm nitpicking right now when you're talking about sure. somebody like Jonathan Taylor. But for me – uh, regardless of uh, – this is why we do tier-based drafting. I would be fine with any one of these guys. And, you know, I've, I've been paying attention to a lot of just 2020 NFL mocks. You know the one running back I haven't seen in the first round lately is Travis Etienne. And uh, once you – once players start falling into the second round, it seems like a lot more trades happen, right? So in the first round, you're not going to see too many teams, you know, jump up to grab a running back. But if Travis Etienne – or DeAndre Swift, or any of these other guys fell to the second, I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a good team trade up to grab one of these guys. So sure. it's something to just keep in mind, too, as we as we get to that point in NFL draft season. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they all end up. So let's talk about – we talked about these guys that we were high on. So just a couple of guys that you're, that you're um, you know, lower on or – higher on than most, and I'll, I'll just kick it off for me. Somebody that I'm a little bit higher on than consensus is Alabama running back, not Najee Harris, but Brian Robinson. He's shown me a lot this year. You're never – outside of Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram, Alabama and Nick Saban have chose to utilize like a platoon of running backs. So I, I don't think that we're going to see one guy just get the lion's share of the carries. But in relief of Najee Harris or when he's playing – I've liked what I've seen on tape from Brian Robinson. Do I think that he can be – he's going to be a day-one starter in the NFL? Absolutely not. But I could see him – he reminds me a lot of Chris Carson. I think that if he got an opportunity, if there were injuries, when there are injuries, because that's not an if, it's a win, Brian Robinson is somebody I think that people need to have on their radars, and they can probably grab him late in a dynasty startup, if not off the waiver wire when the time comes. So, Price, a couple of guys you may be higher on or lower on than consensus. Yeah, I uh, if if you follow me on Twitter at all, I have not been uh, bashful. He's kind of been uh, what Chuba's been for you. This guy's been for me, uh, and it's it's Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, absolutely love this kid. Knock on him uh, more than anything else is his age. He is a fifth year senior. Uh, he had transferred uh, from Illinois, came on over to Vanderbilt, so he's playing in the SEC, and. This team, I don't, I know they're not a big ticket and not a lot of people have watched Vanderbilt and for good reason. This team is awful. Like this team is truly awful. Their quarterbacks have, over the course of six games have thrown four touchdown passes. Four. Like their passing game is atrocious. Uh, their offensive line, I don't know what it was after this week, but after last week, it was ranked 111th out of 130. And they're playing in the freaking SEC, so they're going up against Georgia. They're going up against LSU. And this guy is still producing. He's still putting up numbers. Granted, there are times where he gets stuff behind the line more often than you would like, uh, but I think a lot of that has to do uh, just with with the situation that he's in. 
He is an incredibly talented player. He's got that prototypical size you want. He's about 5'10", right around 215 to 220 pounds. Really good speed. Wouldn't wouldn't be shocked at all if he runs mid four fours, maybe upper four fours at the at the absolute worst. Um, and it's really uh, of all the players that I've seen in this draft class, he probably is one of the ones, if not the one, that runs the angriest. He just looks like he's pissed off every time he touches the football. It's yeah, I mean, it's just like I don't know if it's he's got this chip on his shoulder. He feels like he's been discounted. Felt like he have to transfer. I don't. I don't know what the reasoning behind it is, but it seems like he just wants to make you hurt and punish you for tackling him. And and the way that he's able to evade tacklers and stuff at times, really talented kid. Granted, he is going to get knocked a little bit for his age, but with these running backs, we said it with Jonathan Taylor. It's about the first contract. Give me four or five good seasons. Anything after that is gravy. Yes, sir. And I, I'm with you. Vaughn runs with a chip on his shoulder. He runs angry. Uh, he's a grown man out there playing with college kids. And Vanderbilt stinks. I mean, goodness gracious. They've got a tight end, Jared Pinckney, Kalaja Lipscomb out there. And they've got some decent Debbie talent. But, goodness, that team is bad. So, I'm, I'm with you on Vaughn. I'm not concerned about his age, to be honest with you. And he is explosive. Uh, he does run it physical, which I really like. So um, I'm, I'm with you on Vaughn. A couple of guys, I, I'm just going to throw it out there that I just uh, – I'll tell you right now, um, I will not use probably any Debbie – or not Debbie, but Dynasty draft capital on these guys. A.J. Dillon, the running back out of Boston College, and Zach oh, yeah, Moss, I agree. Uh, running back out of Utah. And I know Moss looked really good in his first game of the season. And I forgot who Utah played, but – he looked really good at first. I was kind of eating my words, but I just those two down grinders like that. I, the NFL game that's not how it's played today. You have to be able to be utilized in the passing game, and that doesn't mean you have to be freaking Christian McCaffrey lined up at wide receiver doing stuff like that. But if you literally can only be on the field for first and second down, I, I just I don't know. I say that, and then Carlos Hyde had freaking 100 and however many yards the other day. But just <laughs> A.J. Dillon and Zach Moss are two guys that I just really don't want any part of, at least with my draft capital. If Zach Moss is sitting on the waiver wire after my rookie draft, if you know I didn't have to spend a lot of money to get him, why not? Because you can never have too many running backs. Same with A.J. Dillon. But I just – I'm in a six-foot, 250, 55-pound running back that doesn't catch passes. Uh, I don't know, man. I, what, are your, what are your thoughts on some of these guys? No, I'm with you. I've been uh, uh, kind of a, kind of a hater on uh, on AJ Dillon. I I don't see it. I don't get it. I get. Here's the part that I do get. Dude's a 240, 250 pound running back that has pretty good speed um, at six feet tall. So I get the the interest in him because of that. But when you turn on the tape, there's just there's just nothing for me to get really excited about. Not. Not a great pass catcher. Not really utilized that often in that sense either. Um, they've they've tried to get him involved a little bit more there, but I just don't see that at the next level uh, being a real thing for him. And for somebody that's that big, I almost never see him run anyone over or really break that many tackles. To be honest, like yeah, he falls forward, but if you're only getting four yards, that's that's not that that's not that impressive to me. Uh, so I I just don't. I don't get the love. I don't get why people are um, are, are all excited about him. 
another guy that I think I'm I'm lower on than a lot of people are, and this is gonna be uh, this is gonna sound kind of crazy because I'm an Ohio State guy, uh, but Matt, Master Teague. Uh, Whoa, okay. All right. It's getting spicy now. Let's go. Yeah. I, uh, I'm not seeing it so far. Uh, there's, there's not much explosion. Uh, he's kind of a, kind of a plotter for me. Uh, I, I think he's, I think he's a, a, a decent athlete, but I think it's just more of, he's in a good system. He gets to, you know, take plays off cause Dobbins is out there I, I don't know. I just don't – I don't ever see him being more than maybe like a fourth-round pick in the NFL, fifth-round pick in the NFL. I, I don't know. And, and a lot could change when it's when it's his role. We've seen that happen a couple of times. I was kind of out on Najee Harris before this season, and this season I got to see him in his role, and now I'm all in. I'm, I'm buying shares wherever I can. So yeah. that could happen as well for Teague once he gets the role and we get to see him utilized with his full arsenal of plays. But right now, I'm just I'm just not that excited. Okay, and this is good. And I don't want us to have to, you know, who wants to listen to a show where everyone's, I agree, I agree, this is right. We, we feel the same way. Because to me, Master Teague, and I've said it, he is my Chuba Hubbard. Like, I think next year he's going to absolutely light it up. Really? I, I, I see it. I, I see the athleticism. Uh, he's a... When you look at his, his, his physical measurements, I think he's 5'10", 5'11", 220, but the kid is a big kid. Like, he's put Yeah, together. he's thick. And I think it's because he wears those ginormous shoulder pads that you just dislike <laughs> him and you, and you feel like he's a plotter. Uh, I'm just kidding. I know you watch Ohio State a hell of a lot more <laughs> than I do. But I think that when it's his role, um, it's flashes, right? It's, it's the same thing with Chuba Hubbard last year. Last year it was Justice Hill's backfield, but there were flashes of Hubbard, and he's not doing nearly – he didn't do nearly what he's doing this year as a redshirt freshman who was sharing that backfield with Hill. But I think Master Teague next year is going to own that backfield. If if Dobbins comes out, and I know, Garrett, we've kind of talked about this, you know. Sure. We think he's going to come out, and uh, it probably would be a good idea, but I, he's one of those guys where I'm not 100% certain that he's going to – It's definitely possible for him draft. to stay. Yeah. But if he comes out, I think Teague is going to have the work. And maybe it is a product of that that Ohio State offense. But I am a little more bullish on okay. uh, Master Teague than most. But that's a great segue because you and I actually had this conversation the other day, 2020 versus 2021. And we're just focusing on running backs. So if you – here's the thing, Price. I've done a couple of uh, mock drafts over with some of the Debbie Happy Hour guys. Shout out to Matt and Dwight. And then just, you know, we, we just did one with Kyle over there at the, with the fantasy footballers. We just yeah, did yeah, one yeah. round. I think we just did one, yeah. So for me, man, if I miss out on, like, the top, let's just say Chuba Hubbard doesn't come out, all right? So if okay. I miss out on Swift or ETN or Taylor, I mean, I'd be fine having Najee Harris. Like, I really – I've come around on him. I, I, I like J.K. Dobbins, but – I really want to get one of those three. You know what I mean? Like, I think the right. class is deep. So, for 2021, would you rather have, you know, one of those, let's say Najee Harris or a Eno Benjamin or a Trey Sermon, would you rather have those guys in 2020 opposed to uh, Master T, Kennedy Brooks, Max Borgies, Amir White, Jamar Jefferson, uh, you know, James Cook, would you rather have the, the Najee Harris's and sort of those second and third tier 2020 guys opposed to 
potential first year 2021 guy. Yeah. So are we including like are we including Vaughn and Akers in, in that? Or are we, yeah, we putting yeah, them? Yes. Vaughn, Akers, well all of those guys. Let's 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 put a cutoff point. So let's ex- let's take your top five, whatever that top. So we know Taylor, okay. Swift. Uh, it would be Akers and Vaughn would be in the the, okay. the top five. Akers and Vaughn. So when you're talking about um, everybody below that, J.K. Dobbins, Najee Harris, Trey Sermon, Eno Benjamin, would you rather have one of those guys opposed to your pick of the 2021 running back prospects? Yeah, at this point, yes. Um, I. Granted, I have done much more work, a lot more study into the 2020 class, partly because of uh, we, we need our answer sooner uh, than we do on, on some of the guys in the 2021 class. Right. But as I've looked into a lot of these guys, um, none of them have popped for me so far. None of these guys, I look at them and say, like, this dude could absolutely be a uh, uh, a high end RB two, low end RB one at the NFL level. I just haven't, I just haven't seen that guy yet. Um, th- there's some nice players that I think could fill roles, but right now it feels a lot more like the 2019 class than it does the 2020 class for me. Um, you know, Borgie's nice. Um, you know, we talked about Teague already. Uh, Ingram is an interesting case. What's going on with Texas? Um, you know, we got Cook and Cooks. Cooks might be the one. Cook, he might be the one that I like the most. Dal, uh, Dalvin's little brother down there in Georgia. I actually like him quite a bit. I'll be interested to see when he gets uh, more work. Uh, but he is he twenty? Is he twenty one or is he twenty two? He's twenty one. He's twenty one. He's twenty one. So, uh, but you got White down there as well. So that's gonna cut in too. Uh, so none of these guys right now just have that like oh. I have no doubt he's going to be an absolute asset at the next level. Could see him being a first round pick or maybe a second round pick in the NFL, high end second round pick at the NFL level. They all just feel like good, um, you know, pieces, part of a part of a committee type player so far. Uh, and I think that's the hard part is, you know, even even though Harris is not in the top five for me, he gets in the right situation. I could see him being a, a lead back for an, for an NFL team. Um, I could see, you know, the JK Dobbins, the Kylan Hills of the world, like in the right situation, I could see some of that happening for them. I just don't see it yet. And we know one of one or two of those guys will probably pop. It, it almost never happens where there's a class where there's nobody in it at all. So I, I assume at some point, one of those guys will, but I, I just don't have a good feeling about any of those guys. Now we get to the 22 class and actually there's a couple guys that I really like in the 22 class, yeah, uh, but that's probably getting too far ahead of ourselves. All right. So when I'm looking at 2021 and I went back in preparation for this because we talked about it the other day, I really liked Samir White, but the same reason we were fading Todd Gurley, Samir White's had two ACL injuries, one on each right. knee. Um, and again, ACLs aren't death sentences, but when you're talking about the possibility for whatever medical stuff can happen with his knees in the future, that's scary. You know, investing and in knowing that you've already got that, that, you know, those built-in injuries with that player. I like Max Borgie a lot, and I do think Max Borgie, listen, a lot of white running backs who catch passes get that stereotype that they're just third down backs, right? They're just sure. Danny Woodhead or Russell unfair. Woodhead. Unfair. Yep. It, it is completely unfair. And I don't think Max Borgie is just some third down receiving weapon. But 
when I watch him play, as talented and skilled he is, I think that he's going to make his hay doing that immediately. And then sort of like Christian McCaffrey, I think he'll have that opportunity to sort of carve out more work on the ground. Keontae right. Ingram was the guy that I was most excited about. He's got that size. You know, he's six foot, 220 pounds. He caught, you know, over 20 receptions as a true freshman. He flashed big time at UT. But this season, he's being outplayed by a converted wide receiver. And it it's concerning for me because I bought a lot of Keontae Ingram shares. So, you know, Kennedy Brooks, not a fan. I, you know, coming into the season, I thought he was the best running back on the Sooners. I, I think he's more of a straight-line guy. Uh, Jamar Jefferson is really interesting, uh, running back out of Oregon State. I and do then, like him a little bit. He uh, would he would be towards the top of this class for me. Agreed. I've moved him up. And James Cook, I, I, I'm with you. And, I've you know, I, I, I loved me some James Cook going into this season. So Yeah, I remember I'm, you talking about him. I'm with you. I don't – I think it's kind of, you know – we all thought this quarterback class in 2020 was going to be terrible coming into the 2019 season outside of a couple of guys, and it's it's looking right now to be better than it was. So we'll sure. see uh, what happens next year. But right now, I would definitely prefer uh, – give me Najee Harris, uh, give me Kylan Hill, give me, you know, J.K. Dobbins. Dobbins, and, yeah. yeah I, I would mu- I'd feel a lot more comfortable with that, but that's not to say sell those 2021 picks because we're not talking about – the wide receivers, but right. Um, oh yeah, the uh, receiver class is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> we talk about this one in 2020. Uh, 2021 is is neck and neck. They they aren't taking a backseat to the 2020 wide receivers whatsoever. Not at all. Um, but uh, let's let's get into a couple of listeners. We we got a bunch, but we're not gonna we're not gonna do all that. So um, this is a good question from Leroy Brown at plus n u r t i n. I'm going to butcher these. Uh, I, I'm not – I'm going to butcher all of these names. I'm sorry. If you guys just had, like, like regular fantasy uh, <laughs> Twitter ads, I'd be able to do it. But I, I, I can't – I'm going to mess these up. But he had a good question. He said, how many running backs should go in the 2020 rookie draft before Jerry Judy comes off the board? Ooh. Should is, should is a, a strong word. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and I'm putting you on the spot because I, I know you hadn't had – hell, I haven't even read through all of them. So we're just kind of – Right. These are shallow-level responses we're giving you. Yeah. Right? Uh, should? I don't know that I feel comfortable saying any absolutely, without a doubt, should. For me right now, I probably would have him right after Jonathan Taylor, right before ETN. Um but I wouldn't say you should do that. That's what I would do. But I think Judy's a, a talented enough player that if you made a strong argument for him being the one-on-one, I'd say, okay, you've done your homework. I'm cool with it. it. It's not like you're you're coming in here and saying, you know, some guy nobody's ever heard of should be the one-on-one. Um, he, he's a very talented player, and, and it would make a lot of sense. So I would prefer two, maybe three of those guys, but uh, I wouldn't say any of them should. All right. Um, this one from Dylan Thomas at DK Tom 2018. This one still confuses me. How is ETN's stock going down when he's improved on his biggest concern, pass catching? He hasn't been special with it, but I'm confused why his stock has gone down and the reasons for it. Like the same reasons we like those same reasons were there bef- before this year. So pretty much why is ETN's stock falling when he's improved on the very thing that we've said that he needed to improve on 
Yeah, and and that's a great question because I even wrestle with that myself at times. Like, why why am I lower on him? He's he's not done anything wrong. Um, but kind of like I mentioned, we were talking about the big three there. Um, it, it's it's of no fault of his own, but other guys have outperformed their expectations. And so it's it's not that ETN has done anything wrong whatsoever. It's just even though it seems unfathomable, at this point, the class is getting better. And so right. we, we we have to adjust based on some of these other guys. So is ETN still a late first-round NFL draft grade for me? Yeah. But just those guys have probably moved up into – the mid mid first round. So that's that's the only thing. He hasn't dropped, just other guys have risen. All right. So your boy over there, writer at Dynasty Nerds, Mike Me Up. Um M I K E Me Up. Mike, man, he's had a good rise too. Shout out to you, Mike. He really has. He's my man, dude. That dude's engaging, man. Sometimes he gets on my nerves. Mike, I, he's in my DDP <laughs> listener league. Mike always <laughs> challenges stuff, but he man, that dude shows love and he's had He's had a really good rise, so uh, shout-out to Mike. But he asks, if Keyshawn Vaughn is drafted by the Chiefs, where are you taking him in rookie drafts? I, I saw him post this one, and I was kind of <laughs> hoping you wouldn't ask it because yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want to have to answer this. Um, <laughs> so I am talent over situation. Okay. Uh, I think Nick Chubb is one of the best examples of that. We, we were looking at, you know, yeah, he's a good player, and now he's better than we thought he was, but, yeah, he's a good player, but, you know, Carlos Hyde's there, and who knows when he'll get the job, blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, uh, that, was a, that was a terrible narrative. And so yes. <laughs> it, it, if, if you realize, hey, cream, cream should rise to the top. You have some stupid coaches at times, but more often than not, cream rises to the top. Uh, he should get playing time. So even though that situation is would be incredible, and I – absolutely love Keyshawn Vaughn if some of those other guys also go to favorable situations I would still have them ahead of Vaughn even though that's probably the most enviable situation uh you know if if Swift goes to Tampa Bay and ETN goes to to Indianapolis and Jonathan Taylor like if these guys go to good spots now if they go to rough spots and, you know, I have them virtually in the same tier, then I will allow situation to, you know, maybe switch inside the tier. But I'm not bumping up people multiple tiers or anything like that, only based on situation. All right. I'm going to lump a couple together right here because a lot of Najee Harris questions. And Ryan, I think it's Searfoss, uh, F-N-T-S-Y, F-B Connect asks, do you think Najee Harris will be more than a two-down back in the NFL? And then there was another guy um, who pretty much sort of asked a question, um, you know, is Najee Harris legit? It says how much it was uh, Blue Jay Way. So at Way underscore Blue Jay, how much is Najee Harris's ranking affected by playing for Alabama with so many other talented offensive players? What do you think his numbers would look like if he switched places with Chuba Hubbard? So just your overall thoughts on Najee Harris, uh, Bryce. Yeah, I was I was not high on the kid uh, coming out last year. Uh, I watched a little bit of the tape. Granted, I didn't I didn't dig super deep, but uh, I wasn't overly impressed. I thought he was trying to do too much. Uh, wanted him to utilize his size more. Wasn't sure how good of a pass catcher he really was. He's answered a lot of those questions this year. Honestly, he's he's been a very good pass catcher. Um, he's shown a little bit more utilization of that size, but he's shown that he has 
the ability to make guys miss um, in the open field. He navigates inside uh, the tackles well. Seems to have pretty decent vision. So I, I do like him. Um, do I think he will be a three-down back? I would say I, it seems unlikely that at this point for him to be a three-down back. He seems like the perfect candidate to be the lead back in a committee. Um not because I don't think he can catch passes, but I think other guys would be you, – you talk about it all the time with Swift where he's more of a weapon in the passing game where other guys are just – they can do it. I think that's kind of where Harris is at where he can do it, and so he might get a pass or two here and there, but I think they would rather utilize someone that's a little more gifted in that area on third down. All right, I got one more question for you because we're running running a little long. So uh, – the guy who asked this, I just closed dog on Twitter up. I think it was uh, Austin Nace, uh, L-Town Soccer 11. And I'm going to kind of combine this question. He asked, how do we reconcile Dobbins's poor 2018 tape with his stronger 17 and 19 tape? And then sort of the same thing with Cam Akers. So, you know, both of these guys have looked infinitely better this year opposed to last year. So how do you just kind of factor that into your overall evaluation of those of those players? So we have to we have to take all tape into account. I try to make sure that I watch a couple games from every single season that they were relevant. Um, so all of it has to be taken into account. However, the most recent tape trumps everything for me. Um, what what have they done for me lately? Because just like just like us as human beings, we change, we evolve, we we improve. We sometimes we don't. Sometimes we get worse. Sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we make mistakes. These guys are humans too, and so when you see in their most recent tape that they they seem to have gotten quicker, they seem to have gotten stronger, they seem to have you know uh, improved their decision making. They've seemed to you know all of these types of things. So I think we we need to take the most recent film as what the most likely outcome for that player is. Doesn't mean they can't revert back to what they looked like in eighteen, but I think we have to take the most recent tape as the strongest indicator of what they'll be at the next level. So it's it's a lot to process through. Uh, so it, it's not easy. It's not as easy as just like, oh, yeah, do this. Um, so specifically with Cam Akers, I think the, the reason we saw him perform so poorly is kind of like what we're seeing with Keyshawn Vaughn right now. That team is awful. That team last year was just absolutely terrible. That offensive line did him zero favors. Yep. Uh, he was trying to do everything himself. And I think at times he was pressing, trying to make plays, and ended up getting himself into more trouble. I think we've seen a much better performance. I still wouldn't call them a good offensive line or a good football team, but I do think they are capable this year. And so we've seen more true um, cam makers. Dobbins is a little bit different because it's not like the team was drastically different last year than this year. So I, I, I take some of that as he actually looked more explosive as a freshman uh, than he did last year. I wonder if he actually tried to bulk up a little bit last year mm -hmm. and lost some of that explosion, lost a little bit of that elusiveness, realized that because he does look more explosive this year. Yes. He does look a lot more like he did as a freshman. So my guess would be that would be more of a concerted effort in the off season to improve his conditioning, improve his explosiveness, and we're seeing him reap the benefits of it here in 19. Agreed, agreed. He did not, and somebody um, on Twitter posted a couple of weeks ago, 
and I didn't know anything. They said it's good to see J.K. Dobbins healthy this year. So yeah, that was interesting to me too because I didn't know of an injury, right. but they don't always report everything, especially in college. Um, they don't they don't really have to tell us everything. So it would be interesting to find out if he was dealing with you know a nagging you know ankle or something like that. He looks good, man. I'm I I, I told Matt that he was just a guy going into the season and. I have no problem admitting when I was wrong. You know, I was I was down on Dobbins, I was down on Cam Akers, and they have rose, you know, rose up my rankings quite a bit. So, real quick, Bryce, just rapid fire. Um, I just want to get sort of, and let's just let's just take your top five, top five guys. Where's the cutoff point for you? So I'm looking at our rankings over here on DLF. Would you take Swift or Taylor or ETN? Um, Keyshawn Vaughn and who was fifth for you? Uh, Vaughn was, was fifth. Acres is fourth. Acres is fourth. Where's the cutoff point in Dynasty? Would you take any of those guys over David Montgomery? Yes. Okay, he's nineteenth for us. What about James Conner? Hmm. Twenty-four years old, lead back. Haven't given him a contract extension. Do you take any of those guys over James Conner right now? I'll take the top three. I okay. don't know that I can do – I don't know that I can do Akers and Vaughn at this point. All right. That, James Conner, we have him 16th. What about Leonard Fournette? He's at 15. Uh, probably about the same cutoff point there, I think. Okay, for the, the, the top three, maybe above mm -hmm. Leonard Fournette. All right, I'm going to give you the next three, 14, 13, and 12. Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, Le'Veon Bell. I think so. It's interesting. I'm lower on Bell than most, okay. so um, I think, yeah, I still think with all three of those guys, I would take take the top three over them though. Okay. Uh, Jacobs would be the closest by quite a bit, um, but I still think I would take Etn, Swift, and Taylor over all three of those guys. Okay, I'm with you as well. And for me. I've got Leonard Fournette a lot higher. Um, I'm a big fan. Yeah, that does seem kind of low. Yeah, we've got him at 15th, and I'm a big fan of Leonard Fournette. So now we're looking at the way that we have it right now. Uh, Swift, Etienne, and Taylor would be uh, 12, 13, and 14. So 11 and 10. Carry on Johnson, Todd Gurley. I would take – so Gurley I'm a little bit lower on, but okay. with – Carry on. I would put carry on ahead of ETN. Okay. Um, I would not put him above <laughs> Taylor right. or or Swift yet. So right now, Price, based off of these are DLF rankings, uh, Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift would be top 12 running backs for you. So uh, yep. would you take either of those guys? And I'm just going to because I know you wouldn't take them over uh, Dalvin Cook, who is sixth. So no. we've got. David Johnson, Melvin Gordon, and Joe Mixon are the next three. Ugh, man. And I'm a little lower. Personally, I'm a little lower on David Johnson in Dynasty. David Johnson is a monster right now, regional right. purposes, but he'll be 28 in December. Um, injuries are starting to pile up. Would right. you take Swift or Jonathan Taylor over DJ, Melvin Gordon, or Joe Mixon? So I would actually probably have Mixon the highest of that group. He's the highest on here. He's seven. Okay. Um, 
Man, so next year I expect that Bengals line to be better than this year. So I'll probably put both of those guys right after Mixon. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, Garrett Price says that DeAndre Swift oh, and Jonathan Taylor are right now top ten dynasty. And but this is the process that you that that we're gonna have to do, right? And it's for, yeah, absolutely. And that's the hard part is like you know Gordon Gordon and Johnson have been very talented backs, great for your fantasy team teams for a long time, but uh, neither one are trending in the right direction. And yes, these these guys are a gamble, and it's it's tough to uh gamble with such valuable pieces uh but if i'm specifically if i'm a rebuilding team and i don't think i'm winning it this year i I would rather have those guys uh in the in the 2020 class because i do believe that they're that special i do believe they'll make big impacts for their team right away in 2020 and right off the bat be just as good and long term be better than those guys i'm telling you and and my piece of advice price that i've told a lot of people i know those 2021sts uh, burn holes in your pocket, and people just want to move them and, and just trade, trade, trade. But those picks are going to be worth. I, I can't wait to see what people move those picks for after the combine and during the draft. I it's going to be absurd. It, it's going. I, I can already. Can't you just see right now that somebody giving an entire 2021 draft picks one through four Odell Beckham Jr. for a 2021st like. Yep. On the clock, on like, I expect DeAndre Hopkins to be on the move. I expect players like watch Ezekiel Elliott get traded for something ridiculous. I think that there's going to be some things that happen with those picks. Right again, for me, it's two. It's right after the combine, and yep. during the draft is when it's just going to be ridiculous. Yeah, if you're if you want any chance to acquire a 2020 pick at a semi reasonable price, right now at the trade deadline. <laughs> is the time to do it because that's they're only going to increase in value from there. Agreed. Well, Garrett, thank you so much for co-piloting this one with me, man. It's been a long time coming. I I mean, we probably could just sit on here and talk for the rest of the night, but... Oh, easily. Uh, so just tell everybody, all the listeners, where they can find you at on Twitter, what do you have going on, and, and the nerd herd. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm at Dynasty Price on Twitter. Uh, doing a lot of stuff with uh, Dynasty Nerds. We've got uh, a couple of things that, that we're working on, some some cool tools, some different things uh, for the website uh, that will be just a really some really great features for um, the people that are part of the Nerd Herd. Uh, I'm on the podcast with Matt and Rich. Those guys are, are two of the best in the industry, just genuinely good guys. Have a blast doing that. Also do another podcast called the Dynasty Rewind uh, that I do with my boys Mike and Shevin, uh, and that's a that's a great time. It's a really fun podcast. We have a, we have a really good time on there. I know you've been a guest on there as well, Ray. So that's a good time. And yeah, it, it most for the most part, I'm I'm on Twitter uh, too much. So if you have any questions or want to reach out or whatever, I'm, I'm more than happy to uh, to interact with you guys on there. Yeah, man, the Dynasty Nerds, awesome website. Matt and Rich, great guys, and, you know, truly appreciative to the Dynasty Nerds team for giving me my break in this fantasy football industry. If it wasn't for them, you know, I, I don't know where where this would be or where I'd be right now amongst this community. So sincere thanks to you, Garrett, and, and Rich and the guys at Dynasty Nerds. 
Uh, Dynasty Rewind, a dope show. I listen to it every Saturday morning. It's sort of my ritual right now. It's still hot as hell in Texas, so when I'm mowing the yard and playing with there my girl, um, I've got and they've got the dopest shirts, <laughs> dopest <laughs> shirts in the game. I wore it to uh, Kroger, the grocery store. And I saw someone looking at it, probably thinking, where did you get that 80s shirt at? But uh, <laughs> really, really dope. Uh, enjoy that show. And, and Price is an amazing follow. If you're listening to this, you probably already follow him. But if not, make sure you follow him, support what he's got going on. So, so Garrett, just want to say thanks, man. Really appreciate it. And uh, I'll go ahead and let you, uh, let you get back to your family, man. So thanks for joining us, Price. Absolutely. Had a blast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. I hope you've enjoyed your flight. We'll be landing in just a few minutes. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Destination Debbie Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. One more time, special thanks to our guest Garrett Price at Dynasty Price on Twitter. Make sure you're following him. Make sure you're following the show at Destination Debbie as well. If you have yet to subscribe to the DDP, please do so. And while you're at it, if you are so kind, please leave a five-star rating and review. It would be much appreciated. But until next time, I've got nothing left. Drop the music.